Nicole here for another episode of the Students Beyond Borders podcast, and this week we're doing things just a little bit differently. Last month, my co-host and USAC's alumni and donor relations officer, Amber, hosted a panel with three USAC alumni, Amina, Reese, and Eric, to chat about their experiences after study abroad. During the panel, they discussed how study abroad impacted their personal growth, professional endeavors, and plans after graduation. They even chatted about how one alumni has made a full-time life abroad a reality. This week, we're sharing their panel with you. Keep on listening to hear the recording of their panel, including a Q&A from our attendees. Ready? Let's get started. Welcome to the session. On behalf of the University Studies Abroad Consortium, or USAC, I would like to welcome you to today's interactive panel discussion, which features the stories of USAC alumni discussing where life took them after studying abroad in Italy, Spain, and Thailand. My name is Amber Aiton, and I am USAC's Alumni and Donor Relations Officer. I am thrilled to be hosting today's panel because USAC has a massive network of more than 61,000 alumni across the world. Tapping into this global network is just one of the many benefits of USAC. I'd like to now introduce our alumni panelists. First, welcome Eric Torres Garcia. Eric is an accomplished 25-year-old USA-born Mexican-American entrepreneur. He holds a bachelor's degree in international business from Boise State University and is a two-time USAC alum of the Verona and Turin Italy programs. In December of 2019, an unexpectedly successful viral video urged him to take a giant leap of faith into the chocolate business. He has since attracted worldwide attention for his crazed signature concoction, Cocoa Bombs. I'd also like to welcome to the panel, Amina King. Amina is a queer solo female traveler and expat. Amina left the US in September, 2020 and has taught English, done freelance work, social media management and video editing. She currently works as a YouTuber where she talks about her journey abroad, providing tips, and focusing on inspiring the Q BIPOC to find liberation abroad. She first caught the travel bug when she studied abroad with USAC in summer 2019 in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and now has been to seven countries and counting. Amina is joining us today from Mexico. And last but not least, welcome my friend, Reese Olander. Reese is a Senior Director of Development for Renowned Health Foundation in Reno, Nevada. During his undergraduate work at the University of Nevada, Reno, he had the opportunity to spend two wonderful semesters studying abroad in San Sebastian, Spain. His time there gave him the confidence to feel perfectly comfortable in any situation he goes into. The friends and networks he's made through USAC during and after continue to shape his personal and professional life nearly 15 years later. Reese is joining today's call from Sacramento, California. Thank you all for being here with us today. All right, so to kick things off, I'm going to ask 
all of our participants to briefly tell us more about your USAC experiences. So if you could please remind us where you studied abroad with USAC and why you chose this destination. So if it's okay, maybe Eric will start with you, especially I know you're a two-time Italy alum. Of course, well, nice to meet you everyone. So I chose to study abroad in Italy. I wanted to go for a full year and it was during my junior year at Boise State University when I finally decided on going to Italy. And the reason I chose this destination was mainly because I already speak fluent Spanish. I speak obviously fluent English and I wanted to go somewhere that was different. So I chose Italy because the language was a little closer to Spanish than French was. And I've always had, like, since I was little, this sort of fascination for the culture and the country. And I just really wanted to get to know it. So I chose to go for an entire year. It actually worked out really nice that I could spend my first semester in Verona, which is a really beautiful, smaller city. And then my second semester, I went to Turin, which was a very larger city. It was more Italian, I would say. Verona was more like a tourist place where you, you would still run into people who speak English and whatnot. And... I wanted like the full immersion experience. So Turin was actually a place that I really, really loved. Both cities were beautiful, but something about Turin just captured my heart. And that's where I learned fluent Italian. That's where I made a bunch of Italian friends that I still keep in contact with every single day. And it holds a special place in my heart. I see Eliana's here. So I, I learned Italian and yeah, like I, I'm planning on going back to visit around May to hopefully see Eliana and a bunch of my other friends. <laughs> Love it. Mina, could you please share too, where did you study abroad with USAC and why did you choose that destination? Hello everyone, my name is Amina, my pronouns are she, her. Really glad to be here with all of you. So like Amber said, I studied abroad summer 2019. The summer before that, quite actually, I wound up, so I started in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And the summer before that, so a little context, I was working grave shifts while doing two intensive um, summer classes, burnt out to like, I think my last crisp, basically. And I was going repeatedly to see my counselor. She was kind of promoting study abroad, like, hey, you should go study abroad. I think this would be a great opportunity for her. And me as a first generation Black student, low income, all these different things. I was like, I don't think this is possible. I don't know. Like, I don't think this is possible for me. And she almost like told me, she was like, no, I think this could be a good fit for you. So I kind of dropped in my head. And long story short, I kind of approached setting abroad almost like a business transaction because since I was working anywhere from one to three jobs while I was in school, I was in extracurriculars, I was in school full time. I really couldn't afford to, I didn't conceive I could afford to take time time off of work in, in general, but also I couldn't afford to get behind in classes. So I went in and I said, this is my GPA. This is how classes I need to take left. These are the credits I have, blah, blah, blah. Where can I go? She printed off six programs. I looked at all of them and Thailand stuck out to me because not only I looked at it as this was an opportunity for me to step outside my comfort zone. So I'm like, if I'm going to take a leap, I might as well jump all the way. Um, completely different culture, completely different language, something I never experienced before. So that, along with the low cost of living, were my two biggest components for choosing Thailand. Very smart. Thank you. Reese, same question for you. Remind us where you studied abroad and why you chose that place. 
I spent two semesters in San Sebastian, Spain. It was one of the reasons it kind of flagged for me was one of my good friends had studied there the year before. It spoke very highly of it there. It's the one of the principal towns in the Basque country. And I'm from Nevada, which has a very strong Basque culture. And so I wanted to learn a little bit more about where those, that culture had come from. And it's very different, a culture between the United States and the Basque country. But San Sebastian, you know, really appealed to me. It was on the ocean. Um, I'd grown up going to the ocean. So it was something I really wanted to spend some more time with. I'd already spoke Spanish and some Italian as well. So unlike Amina, you know, I, it was a more comfortable choice for me as a going out as a junior in college, you know, but the thing that really spoke to me was like, it was a smaller town. It was kind of centrally located at the time. I thought I wanted to, you know, use it to leapfrog throughout Europe, which didn't end up happening. I actually enjoyed spending more time just in that city. And I'm really glad I did that because I got to know that town much better than some of my other co-students who did spend the time, you know, jumping every weekend, going to some city in Europe and not really actually spending very much time in San Sebastian. Love that you got to immerse yourself in the culture and really spend time there. Thanks, Reese. Eric, I'm wondering if we could kick it off with you. Tell us more about your journey after USAC. So what opportunities did you pursue and in what ways did your study abroad experience with USAC inform that path? Of course. Unique experience. <laughs> yeah. So actually I did my full year abroad um, during my bachelor's junior year. And then I came back and I actually rushed to finish my bachelor's degree because I really, really wanted to go back to Italy. So I did just that. I finished my bachelor's. I took a full course load of summer. And then my last semester, I took 22 credits just to finish. It was really hard, <laughs> but I did it and passed. And then I ended up going back to Italy to start a master's program um, at an Italian university, which was really fun. But then I came to this sort of realization that I didn't want to pursue a master's. It was in quantitative finance. Me just personally, I felt like that wasn't the route I wanted to go in life. So I ended up just pushing through the semester. I passed with good grades, but the rest of the time, I basically just traveled around my second year there after my first semester. So for three or four months, I kind of just spent traveling around Europe. And then I came back, started working in accounting and it wasn't fulfilling. So yeah, but Turin is actually a city that was very passionate about their like confectionery industry. I actually did a little bit of an internship at a gelateria in Italy. So that was really fun. And I got to work a lot with like the gelato, the crepes and like chocolate and that kind of stuff. And you just see a bunch of different items that you don't see in the US. So I had this idea in the back of my mind. And then um, December of 2019, I started playing around with the concepts that I saw. I'm sure people here that have been to Italy or know of other parts of the world, they have like this kinder egg. So it's basically like a hollow chocolate egg. You eat it and on the inside you have this little toy, you kind of pop it open and you build it together. That concept stuck with me a lot. Same with some giant Easter eggs that you just don't find anywhere here. So I started playing around with that. And fast forward, I ended up getting a really good prototype of a cocoa bomb, which is actually the company I started back in 2019. So I invented the product and the name of the product. And now we're running www.cocobombs.com. We sell these items to a bunch of stores across the US. We private label 
And I also wrote a book just recently about this, but really the biggest inspiration came from this Kinder Egg, which I would have never built this company if it wasn't for me going abroad to Italy and to Turin. So really USAC helped a lot with sort of this entrepreneurial drive that I had in me, but I didn't know what it was going to be in. And surprisingly enough, you know, now I own this whole candy factory where we sell these items on a really high volume scale to a bunch of stores across the US. And yeah, it's been really exciting. It's been really, really exciting. And I really owe a lot to USAC and to Boise State University, to Eliana, who's part of the Turin program, and then also to Anna and I forgot her name, Anna, and the other lady from the Verona program. They were really, really awesome to work with. And yeah, because of that, it's my whole life changed. My whole entire life changed. No kidding. From quantitative <laughs> finance to chocolate. To, to chocolate, yeah, to candy. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to you Thank and you. on the book. That's very exciting. Reese, I have a similar question for you. So I know after studying abroad, you went more into the nonprofit world. So for you, what opportunities did you pursue there after studying abroad? And in what way ways did your time abroad help inform your path? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I drifted for a little bit after San Sebastian. I worked as a, I went back to Italy and continued, before I went to Spain, I was working in Italy as an archaeologist. And so after Spain, I went back and worked for a little bit longer there. And then after, moved back to the States, back to Nevada, and worked as an archaeologist for a number of years there, and just kind of got burnt out on it, and then found myself going to grad school up at Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, and got my MBA. That's where I sort of drew, found my way into the nonprofit sector. And, you know, when I was in, in Spain, you know, one of my absolute kind of favorite things was making these connections with people who, you know, would not, you would not come across normally. Interacting with them and figuring out sort of you know, what's motivating them, what's behind what their thoughts are, and it was something that had always kind of intrigued me. And what brought me into the nonprofit world was that I kept finding myself in the development office and fundraising offices, and it was an area where you are making connections with many, many people, and getting them involved in projects and passions that you know, might interest them, but they had no idea where to direct that uh, passion previously. And that was something that just was a lot of fun for me. And you know, the nonprofit sector, you know, for those of you who are called to it, is a really unique area. A lot of people think nonprofits are, oh, you just, you know, it's nonprofit, so it's just, you don't make money. It's not really a business. Nonprofits are just the same as for-profit companies. They're the same as Apple and GE and Netflix and everything else. Like they need to make money and they need to be run well. The thing is, you know, in the nonprofit world in the United States, we offload a lot of services to nonprofits. And so that is really important work that's being done in our societies. And it was something that really motivated me to say, hey, here are some organizations that are doing amazing work, making great impact in my community that really need some strong leadership and help making that mission a reality. And then, you know, found myself in the fundraising office where you can make all those wishes come true, which is just a fun position to be in where somebody comes into your office and say, here's this great program, project, piece of equipment that I want to bring. 
on board and this is what it's going to do for our committee and then i get to go out and talk to some of the most interesting people in the community and get them excited and engaged in supporting it so it's a fun it's a fun way to unite different communities and individuals that you know i don't think a lot of people uh, get advantage take advantage of Thanks so much, Reese. Love to hear, again, some parallels there between you and Eric, right? Like archaeology to nonprofit world. Really love that your study abroad experiences can let you explore those types of things and then connect with people to, to make things happen. So thank you. Amina, to tee up this next question, I know that before you went abroad, you didn't have a passport, you had never left the US, you had never traveled solo, and now here you are a, a digital nomad of sorts. So with that in mind, how would you describe the long-term impact of your study abroad experience? Oh, Amber, such a question. So I think for me, and I think I talk, tell people this a lot when I speak about study abroad and everything like that is I think more than anything, I mean, obviously the cultural immersion, having an experience of learning a new language of people, all these different things are very valuable, very beautiful experiences. I think I are very valuable, like I said, but I think the impact that my study abroad program had on me is it showed me that I was capable of more than I thought I was. The reason I say that is because for me, with my background growing up, like I said, like Amber said, I was the first person in my family to even own a U.S. passport. So for me, the scope of leaving the U.S., traveling, like going somewhere to have fun wasn't even in my scope of what things are. And I think going from that to to be quite honest, I mean, a quite difficult process of getting abroad to actually being there. I'm actually left a, a week early because the ticket was cheaper because, you know, we had to save every dollar. Not we, but I. So I was there solo for about a week. I think going from not even seeing this as a, a thing for me to going and being there just showed me like, wow, I'm capable of more than I even thought I was. And I think that's something that's carried me now because I think what I see now is like, if I can think it, if I can, you know, perceive it, I can do it, which I don't think is something I had before. I would just see things. I'm like, okay, I can do this because I know it's in my scope. And now it's like, you know, world is my oyster. Let's, let's do it. Let's take a leap. <laughs> Love that. And then a follow-up question to that too. How do the lessons that you learned abroad continue to affect you? Today? That's a good question. I think that for me, I think my love, my love for immersion, like true immersion, I think has really helped me a lot on my journey. So I left, like Amber said, I left the U.S. a year ago and I've been living slash traveling abroad for about over a year now. And I think that when I was there, while I did hang out a lot with the other USAC people, I really did try to make an intentional effort to learn the language, to talk to local people, to try like the foods, like everything I could do like, to really immerse into the culture. And I think that's what truly has made my time abroad this time around, like, I mean, living abroad now, like so much more enriching because I've been in spaces that I would never ever think I would be. I'm talking to people. I left, when I left the United States, I knew like so little Spanish, like hola, adios, nothing more. Like, you know, what you remember, what I remember from high school, but now like I'm talking to people in Spanish. I'm not fluent yet. I don't have the grammar of the structure yet. So don't test me y'all. But I don't think these things have, would have been possible. Experiences I've had where, you know, I've like been in Ecuador and 
I've met people and they invite me to their home and we like share a meal together or when I'm, I don't know, in a grocery store going places and like people, like when I first moved abroad, like trying to grocery shop was horrendous, but just having that ability to just strike up a conversation and talk to people, I think that makes the experience so much more worthwhile because you find yourself in spaces that you would never find before, but never would have thought you would be. So I think that that essence to want to immerse has led to a lot of the most beautiful experiences I've had from learning Afro-Peruvian culture, learning how to play the cajon to just sharing a coffee with someone whose story is just something I never heard before. So yeah. Yeah, Amber, if I can tag on to that, you know, the one thing I'd encourage folks to do in their study abroad experiences is to say yes to a lot of things, to say yes and take time. Like, you know, a semester, two semesters might seem like a lot. It's not. It goes very quickly. And the more often that you say yes to experiences or, you know, when you're going grocery shopping, I remember I lived above a butcher uh, shop when I, my first semester in Spain. And, you know, that was a shop I walked by every single day. And the way a lot of uh, cultures do their grocery shopping is very different than certainly Americans do, where we, you know, load up, you know, every couple of weeks with just immense amounts of food. Well, that's not how the rest of the world works. They buy their food as they need it, you know, you know, every day or every other day. And so, engaging in that where I'm like talking to that butcher who's just doing that one thing spending an extra bit of time in there just was so much more enriching just like Amina says like take advantage of the time you have there and jump in full force I love that guys thank you so much Eric if we could conti continue with the practical advice really what would you say to individuals who are interested in starting their own business and then Beyond that, how do you think studying abroad can help students on the path to becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, so starting your own business, you know, it might seem like a daunting thing to do, which depending on the industry, it could be. But I think a lot of people don't realize that you always have to start somewhere. So whether you start as a one-person team, a two-person team, a three-person team, that's okay. I started this whole Coco Bombs thing, you know, with myself. And then after that, my mom came on board. And then after that, now we have um, 10 full-time employees that are working at the factory that we just finished out here in my state of Idaho. And, you know, you slowly build your way up to that. But in the very beginning, you really just have to go out and start something. And then to follow up on that, what was what was your second question? How did how do you think studying abroad can help students on the path to becoming an entrepreneur? Right. Yeah. So I studied international business during my undergraduate degree. And so when I went abroad, the courses I took were all related to the international marketing international finance, you know, what else did I take? I took like global politics, just a bunch of different courses that really give you this deeper understanding of how business is conducted in other parts of the world. So me actually, for example, I really wanted to build a company and a brand that not only has like U.S. customers, but also international customers. And we've done just that. You know, it gave me the perspective to think outside of the consumer mindset and to expand that globally. So you see things are marketed completely differently in Italy, in Spain, 
in Japan, for example, you know, they all have McDonald's is there, but it's marketed so differently than you see in the U.S. I think it really gives you this understanding if you go abroad and take those courses to open up your mind to the way people think of doing business outside of the U.S. And um, it's helped us a lot. We've attracted a lot of customers. We've sold actually items in France. We ship out our items to Taiwan. We ship out a lot of our items to Canada. We ship out to Germany. We've sent some out to Italy and helps us really think from their perspective. I've always been like this global thinker, like a citizen of the world. I know it sounds a little cliche, but you know, I'm Hispanic, born and raised in the U.S., have left my footprint in Italy. And there's a lot of other places that I'm, that I'm really just excited to explore, Asia being the next one. So yeah, there's a lot to it. While you're there, take advantage of those courses, do it. It's the funnest thing you'll ever do. They're challenging because you think from outside of the U.S. mindset, but it's, it's growing. It's, it's something that helps you grow. It's a really good growth propeller. Absolutely. Keep expanding your knowledge base and keep expanding into your, your global community. Yeah, and, and your customer base, and your customer yeah. base, your, and your customer base too. Thank you. Of course. Amina, so you've now had robust international experiences in just a short period of time. What practical advice can you offer to individuals who are considering studying, working, or living abroad after graduation? I would definitely say, and this still like is in my head, so... Let me give a little context, y'all. So when I, oh, okay. I thought it was muted for a second. When I first graduated from college, I graduated with a bachelor's in criminal justice and political science. My goal was like, I'm going to go in and, you know, restructure the U.S. like criminal justice system. I took the LSAT. I was law school bound. I was ready to take everything down and rebuild it, whatever. And obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> but um I think for me, what was a big piece of that, besides listening to my intuition, which I think is an imperative part of any type of journey of healing or liberation, whatever the case may be, but a imperative part of that, I think, is learning to take more risk and take leaps. I think we get this idea when we graduate a lot of times that you know, you graduate, you need to find a structured job, you need to do this, you need to, if you want to have like successful life, you need to follow these steps. But it's like, I feel like I realized and I watched a video, it's still stuck with me, just the saying is like, we're young. When you're graduating college, you're what, 22, 23, I was 23. This is the time to take risks. When you graduate from college, this is the time to try those weird jobs that you're not sure if you're going to like. This is the time to, I don't know, leave the, your country and go travel and do something. This is the time to do all those things because I think we've settled in our head that we have to, once we graduate this, now it's time to, to get serious. But I feel like we have our whole life to get serious. Like I could get serious when I'm like 30 or 40. Right now, like I could just see what I like, figure out who I am, figure out what it is I like or I don't like. All these things I think are imperative so that when you get to your older age, when you get, not older, is when you get older, you actually know who you are. You actually know what you like or what you want to do. And I feel like without taking those risks, without taking those leaps, you don't really know that. So I would say my solid, solid advice is get comfortable with being uncomfortable and take some leaps, take some risks. Thank you so much, Amina. 
I'm wondering if I could ask you a follow-up question. Of course. We're talking about, you know, taking those leaps, taking those risks. What about getting involved in your community abroad? So specifically, you and I were chatting a little bit ahead of the panel about the Afro-Peruvian culture that you were really working to get involved in. Can you just tell us a bit more about that? Community, I think, is one of the most important things, especially, I think, when you're abroad because might help you form some type of connection. So for me, every place that I've gone, <clears throat> I think this is two parts. So every place that I've gone, I've tried in some way to connect to, cause I've been mostly in Latin America. I try to connect to the Afro communities. Luckily when I was in Peru, I was able to connect to the queer, a lot of the people there were Afro-Peruvian, but also queer and they were activists. So I think that for me, like, as a, a black woman, I think it's it's helped me to reanalyze what you know blackness means to me and how it's expressed in all these different places. And since being African American and not fully knowing my roots, being in places where people are so connected to their culture, they're so connected to their roots, they're so like their culture is with them every day. So when I was in Peru and I was with my different friends, like they taught took me to their their dance classes where they're learning and practicing like cultural dances. They taught me how to play the cajon. We were like singing dance and like just seeing how culture and activism kind of intertwine. And I don't know, it was just a very like beautiful moment. And I think that it's, it also has some sidebacks because you realize also that like things like racism and anti-blackness, all this stuff exists everywhere. So that sometimes feels a little bit down, but I think the overall experience of being able to connect to that and seeing people connect so closely with their roots was just something I almost, I wish I had, I think is an experience. Thank you, Amina, so much. Reese, I'm turning to you now. So as part of the USAC program, we talk a lot about our calling. To what extent did your study abroad experience clarify your calling? Oh man, you know, yeah, I think I'm gonna tag on to something Amina said that, you know, you don't necessarily, when you're in college and you finish college, you think you know exactly what you're gonna do and you're wrong. Uh, most of us are wrong. And I think that was that was me, you know, when I was in, when I was in Spain, you know, I had a very, it was like, all right, after, after Spain, I'm going to be an archaeologist. This is what I'm going to do for my career. I'm going to, here's my career ladder. This is where I'm going to go. And yeah, I was wrong. That's kind of what it boiled down to is, you know, after Spain, you know, I went back to Italy and worked for a while and went back to the States and worked for a much longer while. And you know, slowly became, realized that this image that I had built for myself was, was not the one, was not my path. And I think, you know, where Spain probably factored into that was that it allowed me to play out a portion of that vision where I might, where I can see, you know, I played out that section of it and said, okay, that piece didn't work, but let me go back to the States and see if these other pieces work. And they didn't. And I think that was at the time very frustrating, but now I look back at it is um, very helpful because I think you just need more, more, people need more time to figure out what they want to do in life. And that, you know, I think nowadays it's a little bit more commonplace to have multiple career changes. But when we look at our parents, you know, many of them just 
they left high school or left college and went into their career and they stayed in that career for 30 years, you know, no matter what, whether they were happy with it, whether they had better opportunities, it didn't matter, they were in that career. And I think that's the thing that is so nice about studying abroad is it, is it gives you insight into another area of possibilities and explore that. And, you know, I think without Spain, I probably would have wasted another couple of years as an archaeologist somewhere rather than doing what I'm doing now, which is, you know, changing the lives of millions of people. And being in that position now would not have happened with all these other testing points along my journey. And so I think that's that's what I would say is that it embrace the fact that you don't have to do what you're doing for the rest of your life. You can change as many times as you want. It doesn't matter. You can change your career every year if you want. But the thing is, is try it. See what happens. See how you feel. Play it out. You know, I chose archaeology back in high school because it started with an A on the list of career choices. So it, I didn't get very far down the list before I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like you go outside and, you know, play with history. That's, that's great. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think I just needed time to uh, explore that, explore all its possibilities. Thank you, Reese. What a relief to hear, right? Like I'm not <laughs> stuck in a path. I can absolutely go out, go abroad, tap into my communities yeah. and just find those other opportunities for me to see what fits right. So thank you for that question. But while you're thinking of your questions, Eric, I wonder if I could ask you the same question as Reese. So to what extent did your study abroad experience clarify your calling? Yeah, so it really helped put things into perspective for me. When I was in college, I first started like pre-med and then I'm like, oh, this isn't really something I want to do. Then I switched over to the business side of things, which um, when I switched over to that, I immediately, you know, enrolled into the international business program. And part of that was to either do like an internship with some company here in the U.S. that has international, you know, footprints across the world or to do a study abroad program for a semester. And I, of course, was like, well, if I'm going to go abroad, I'm going to go for, you know, all of it. I'm not just going to go for a semester. I'm going to go for a full year. And going abroad really just helped clarify that I was on the right path of doing what I wanted to do, which was start a career and build something that had an international presence. I guess at the end of the day, I didn't end up going with my initial, what is it like, track of doing like accounting and finance or whatever, but it gave me this sort of clear picture of, okay, I want to do something that's fun. I want to do something that I'm going to enjoy. I don't want to do something that I'm going to be miserable at, you know, sitting in front of a computer desk, looking at numbers all day. And while I was abroad, you know, working at the gelato shop, living in a city that was very passionate about their confections and chocolate, really just, you know, I guess solidified that, that I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to do something that I was enjoying and that was chocolate and, you know, candy and whatnot. So I came back and, you know, did accounting, didn't work out. Then I started the candy factory and now it's, now it's fun. It's so much fun, way more fun than accounting. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So important to have fun and enjoy what you do. So glad that you were able to, to take those experiences and really apply that to what you wanted to do in life. All right. Now, I really do think I've seen questions come in <laughs> this time. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Yeah, we got a couple questions, guys. Let's see. So first one's from Tylo. He wants to know from each of you, what was the most challenging aspect of going abroad for each and every one of you? I guess I can start if you want. So the most challenging aspects of going abroad, I would say, at least for me, I think it might have been being comfortable with speaking the language i would probably say that was it for me just because you know you're in a new city or sorry you're in a whole new language when i first got there i'm like oh it's like spanish it's pretty close to spanish it's a latin roman language you know i'll be able to pick up on it pretty quick and i got there and i'm like okay i've been pronouncing you know grazie wrong the entire time and uh, <laughs> then getting there really was just like okay um I'm going to really have to learn this if I want to eat, if I want to get home, if I want to do anything, you know, get around and travel. Obviously, you meet people that, you know, speak English, but you're in their country. You should really be speaking their language, I, I believe, you know. And so, yeah, I would say that was probably it for me. Also, just adjusting to, like, the cultural norms maybe was a bit of, like, a secondary thing. Because, you know, here we're used to having everything fast, like, just convenient. You want something, you just get it, and it's like this. Over in Italy, life was a lot more laid back, relaxed, you know, slower, which you come to sort of realize that you shouldn't always be like in a rush to do stuff. And so I would say, yeah, you know, like Italians love to have their lunches for two or three hours long, you know, they'll, they'll close down. And that's something that we're just not used to here. You know, everything here is freaking 24 hours, you know. And yeah, I think those were probably the two most challenging things was the language and then just adjusting to the cultural norms of like schedules and pace of life and whatnot. Okay, so I would say for me, the two most challenging aspects of going abroad were number one, the financial part and number two, the community part. So the financial part. So like I said earlier, I worked a lot while I was in undergrad. So for me, the whole idea of studying abroad was like, okay, I know I want to do this, but how am I going to do this? Like, regardless of like me figuring out that it was possible, how am I financially going to afford this? And that meant for me, a lot of scholarship, applying to scholarships, applying to a lot of grants. I remember Sonia, who was the scholar, I don't, is Sonia still working as a scholarship coordinator? She helped me immensely with scholarship. I was in her office like almost every other week trying to figure out what scholarship I need to apply to her. And while that sounds light, I feel like during the time when I was going to school for a time, plus working and taking on extra shifts and stuff to save more money so I could have more money to put aside, it was horrendous. You know, I wasn't sleeping much. I was just like, this is, this is pretty horrible. <laughs> like, it was all worth it because I wound up getting the Gilman um, scholarship and things like that. I was able to afford my my time abroad but I think that was really difficult I think the other piece for me would be I feel like once I was there I had I had to approach a lot of aspects of my identity especially as as being black because number one I mean you stick out I mean like I stuck out a little bit on the UNR campus because I mean I think it wasn't like UNR's campus like it's it's there's not a lot of black people you know like so but when I was in Thailand like I'm, I'm like not the shortest person people in Thailand are traditionally a little bit more shorter I'm not I'm, I'm darker skinned so I think that counting to navigate between like experiencing some microaggressions at some points but then like trying to rely on like sometimes my the fellow USAC students but you know my first round of 
the session I was the only black person so not really having someone that really gets it and also being the context of the country no one really like so it's like it felt a little isolating at times but I think that allowed me to learn to navigate um, those things like microaggressions and things like that which I think are unfortunately realities but I think it helped give me some tools to figure out how to deal with those when I don't really have the ability to tap into my community like I did on the UNR, like the UNR campus, like BSO, the Blackstone organization, things like that. So I think financials and that would be my tap too. Yeah, I echo some of that, you know, the financials and then the culture shock stuff is, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to navigate some of those things and the financials things. You know, I was thinking, you know, one of my only regrets when I was over in Spain was turning down a trip with, with some friends who, you know, they're native there and uh, I'd turned down because I couldn't afford it. And it would have been a really fun trip. And, you know, I think some of that stuff is like, you just have to accept it. You know, you can't do everything and you, you can put yourself in the best position possible. And it, yeah, yeah, I applaud Amina for going through all those scholarships because I did some of the similar stuff. And it's, it's, it's hard, but it's worth it. Definitely worth it. But yeah, one of my challenges, honestly, is navigating train systems at times because everywhere is a little bit different. And some of them have, older systems on top physically on top of newer systems i remember one time i i got lost for like an hour and a half at this train station in italy because the train that i needed to get to where i was moving was the the station was on top of the other station and the only way to get down it was like this little alley and then there's this tiny little set of stairs that went up to the station and there's no signs and you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Ask for some directions. Awesome. Thanks for those answers, guys. We're gonna try to squeeze in a couple more questions here. So another one we have is from Vitoria, and she asks, "How did you get? How did you get through uh, basically people doubting you in your in your study abroad, your choice to study abroad? If that did happen to you, and what advice would you give to anybody who?" is uh, potentially receiving doubts from their peers about their choice to go abroad. Yeah, I think the thing I did mainly was identify family members that I were frequent and experienced travelers. And I, I, I went to them and got them on board first. You know, I said, hey, this is something I want to do. Will you support me with it? Because I know when I go to these other people, they're going to say, that's ludicrous. Don't do that. You're going to have a terrible time. And so just, you know, know who your allies are and build that support network early on. Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Okay, I think for me, I don't know that I had a lot of support at the start. It was just like my parents were like, oh, yeah, like, that's cool. You know, like, oh, I things was also pretty hard, you know. And do this but like like i said there, there, i haven't said this but actually there's a lot of help out there there's like you know scholarships you can apply for there's a usac scholarships your university should also have like a global learning opportunity funds and stuff like that available um you know you might need to take out a loan but at the end of the day like it's worth it just make sure you don't dig yourself in too deep of a hole but leading on to like the doubtful part i would say that there's really nobody who can make that decision for you, you know, you know, what's best for yourself at the end of the day. And if you feel like you need to get away, like, you know, you want to go explore something different, by all means go, you know, like, I think a lot of our peers, I don't know where everybody's from, but I know where I'm from, Idaho, it's people are a lot more closed minded, I want to say, 
Um, they're like, oh, why do I want to leave the U.S.? Everything I have is already here. And I was just like, I don't like to think like that. You know, I grew up in a small town where people just live there for their entire life and never leave. That to me is just unfathomable. Like I could never imagine that. So you're going to get maybe some pushback from people or like that. But, you know, if you have this urge inside of you telling you to go abroad, it's for a reason. And it's for a very good powerful and strong and better for you reason so just do it yeah don't listen to them i have a really funny story i'm gonna try to make it quick (laughs) so the funny thing with me is that like i said traveling and stuff wasn't a thing in my family and quite honestly when i i brought up the idea to my mom like oh mom i want to study abroad you know i went through everything i was i was like telling her the business transaction i'm like i got this covered i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and she was like "Uh uh-huh okay 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 fast forward to maybe like April sometime like that like and mind you this whole time I'm telling you okay I just applied to this scholarship I just did this and I bought my plane ticket I was like I called her like mom I bought my ticket I'm going to Thailand she was like what and I was like I don't go to Thailand she's like what are you talking about you're going to Thailand I'm like I bought my ticket to study abroad she was like Amina I'm gonna be so honest with you I heard you when you were saying that stuff, but I didn't actually think you were going to do it. And she's like, but I don't know how I forgot that you were my daughter because I know when you put your minds to something, you're going to do it. So I think that was like weird to me. I was just like, I've been talking about this for months and she was just like, until I bought the ticket, she was like, she didn't believe me. So I think when people are downing you or whatever, like your path is your path and that path was given to you for a reason. So Sometimes other people don't get it, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your family, whoever, but that path wasn't given to them, it was given to you. So only you are the one that has to understand it. So follow it. Your poor mom, Amina. (laughs) That's such a great story. Thank you for sharing. We are almost at time. So I just wanted to, to wrap this up. I was jotting down a few notes as we were talking today and we spoke about so many different topics, but a few things that stuck out to me were really just say yes, right? Like that was one of the number one things. Say yes, say yes, immerse yourself, go full force and just look into things, right? Like lean on your study abroad advisor, talk to your education advisor at your college, whatever you got to do to get the information, but say yes, and then go for about study abroad, identifying and helping to clarify your calling. Loved that our panelists today um, went from pre-med and archaeology and quantitative finance to chocolate and nonprofit work and global nomad lifestyle. So really lean on your study abroad program to to help you clarify that calling and know that that is an opportunity for you um, to find your path in this world. And then, I mean, I think you said this last one, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think there's so much truth to that. So with that, would love to just thank all of our panelists today and of course our participants for the robust conversation and the questions. And with that, have a great day, everyone. Thank you so very much. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to this special panel episode hybrid. We hope you feel as inspired as we did after hearing those alumni stories. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. See you then.